most impressive win of the season, most satisfying win of the season. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me on this first day of 2024. Happy New Year. Happy Victory Monday. A lot to get into from Sunday's 35-31 win in Philadelphia, so let's not waste any time. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 716, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Can I begin with a philosophical question? Is that allowed here on the first day of 2024? I mean, it's New Year's Day. Are we really getting into heavy thinking right off the top? I don't know if I have the capacity. I typically don't have the capacity, period, especially uh, on a holiday. But here we go. I'll go down swinging. First things first, Happy New Year to one and all. However, if you say you don't believe what someone is saying, does that mean you're calling them a liar? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, This goes back to my uh, college philosophy days as an English major. Uh, So let's see here. Uh, Let's parse together that statement. If you don't believe what someone's saying, are you necessarily calling them a liar? Or perhaps they have incorrect information. Perhaps they're misinformed. Perhaps uh, they're a little too full of their own opinion. I'm not sure, Craig. Liar might be a little strong. I think so as well, because this is the reasoning for all of this. Jonathan Gannon, post game, quote, I feel good for the players, not for me. I feel good for the players. All right. Okay, let's ask the players. Kyler Murray, I know he wanted to win it really bad. James Conner, we wanted to do it for JG. I ask you again. If you say you don't believe what someone is saying, does that mean you're calling them a liar? Okay, so now I know where you're going with all this, so let me revise my earlier answer. Um, There's what you feel, and there's what you say, especially when you're in front of the cameras, and you're apt to go viral at any moment in today's society with social media. So, uh, yeah, I think we can all surmise that on a power pole of most gratifying wins— That Week 17 win at Philadelphia for the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, the former defensive coordinator who went into that building a very hostile environment, got a win against the former head coach he worked under against all those fans who took his name in vain for all those months. And what did he do? And it's the manner in which he did it. Do you see the headline in the Philadelphia Inquirer? If I can figure it is, Jonathan Gannon guts the (laughs) Eagles and outcoaches the free-falling Nick Sirianni. End quote. That's in the that is a flaming block high headline in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So for everything we just cited, other than a playoff win that got you into the Super Bowl, I can't think of a more gratifying victory in the coaching career of Jonathan Gannon. 35-31 win. First victory Monday of the season, by the way. Yeah, the Cardinals did win on Christmas Eve, but everyone had Christmas Day off on that Monday. But this is the first time this season that J.G. has given the players a victory Monday. Well-deserved offense, defense, and special teams. But again, going back to how we began Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 
You asked on the radio. You asked post-game amongst the rest of the reporters. I do hope that privately, whether it was in the locker room or when Gannon got home to see his family, that there was at least outward exhilaration, some emotion that was released because I do believe, to your point, gratifying, satisfying, whatever you want to call it, it was, for Jonathan Gannon, the best win as a head coach, and to your point, maybe as a coach, period, again, barring getting to the Super Bowl. And it's interesting because the environment wasn't quite as hostile as I thought it might be. And I asked a few different players after the game what they thought, and they saw eh, it might be a little worse. And so I think the conclusion could be that Eagles fan uh, has a lot bigger problems than their four former defensive coordinator coming in from the West Coast and putting a beat down on them. They have a lot bigger problems than just, uh, you know, what they think, you know, the manner in which they think they were wronged, even though anybody in that position is going to take one of 32. Every single team does exactly what the Cardinals did and what Jonathan Gannon did. So to me, it was much ado about nothing. But in terms of the head coach, you ever work for something so hard and then when it's over, it's almost relief instead of exhilaration. You take the SAT, you take a final, you know, you're, you're finally done with college. And you would think you're envisioning that moment and you're jumping for joy, but instead it's just utter relief that it worked out in your favor. And maybe there was some of that for Jonathan Gannon. Now, was he fired up after the game based on what I saw, just the visual? There's what you see and there's what you hear. <laughs> and what I saw was, yes, there was serious exhilaration. And it was a very gratifying win. You saw it, obviously, in Monty Austin Ford as the players were leaving the field. But, um, you know, look, um, every single player in that locker room wanted to do it for the head coach. And so to them, you know, it's not a surprise they got the victory Monday because to them, uh, they very much earned that win, and they had their head coach in mind. And I think that speaks volumes. Here we are in Week 17 of a lost season. You're not going anywhere after next week's game against the Seattle Seahawks. A lot of players across the league would just put it in neutral and coast and not care. But it does say something that the players in that locker room care about the coaches, the head coach, that they wanted to win – Again, doesn't mean anything outside of hurting your draft stock, which we can talk about, but it does say something to what is being built here in this first season for Monty Austin Fort and Jonathan Gannon and what the potential can be moving forward. If those players in there don't care, then all of a sudden you're done. You, you, you've, you've lost the locker room and need to start all over again, and that can happen when you only have four wins in a 17-game season but those players, to your point, Paul, wanted to win and were still bought in and have been bought in all season long. Can I go back to something I said last week on the Big Red Rage? I think one of the keys to last week and getting everyone dialed in and getting everyone's best effort, which you did not get for 60 minutes in Chicago. You got down 21 nothing. Did the Cardinals fight back and make it a game? Absolutely one score game, 24-16 in Chicago. But they obviously didn't have the start they wanted. To begin last week, they cut Marco Wilson. And boys and girls, there's one way to motivate in professional sports. It's job security. And if you look at certain flex points in this season, there have been um, roster maneuvers that I think are by design. 
just when you think maybe the bottom might fall out and guys guys might mail it in. Because let's face it, there was a lot of that last season where the head coach lamented the lack of effort and intensity and urgency and where was it. And so I think they've done a very good job of, by design, having some well-timed roster releases that sends a message. You better bring it or pack it. And the message is being received not only here but across the league. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, I'm not sure if you saw this, but posted this on Twitter, 159 on Sunday afternoon. Quote, I've heard from multiple coaches that Arizona is one of the better three-win teams they've seen in a long time. Play extremely hard. Win over Philly, not major shock, considering Eagles' current state. End of tweet. A year ago, Paul, this team won four games. Four and 13. And there is a different feeling that you can feel, you can see, you can hear this season versus last season and how four wins doesn't sound like a ton, but it is huge compared to where we were this time a year ago with, yeah, a lot of changes, but there is a certain player that this organization is looking for. I would even say a certain person that this organization is looking for. Yes, you need the talent, but they are looking for individuals here who do put team before I, to which goes back to Jonathan Gannon, not making this game about him, but about the players and about the team. And that's the manner in which you did it, right? Two of the last three games, you've rushed for more than 200 yards. It's no longer an anomaly. It's no longer just part of that week's game plan. I think it's part of the DNA of this team, the way you're going to come out there and you're going to run the ball in a physical fashion. A number of Eagles, I don't have the quote right in front of me, after the game said, we got our butt kicked physically at times. That's exactly what other teams have said at different times, this Arizona Cardinals team. So if you get a win in your season finale, for example, against the Seahawks, it makes me start to think of what the Lions did in 2022. They started 1-6, and six, and then they beat Green Bay in Week 9, won 8 of their final 10. Last year, Broncos started 1-5, and five, beat Green Bay in Week 7, won 6 of their next 7. Now, they obviously had a coaching change anyway, but... You know, you're not going to have that amount of wins, that sort of winning streak. But if at the end of this season you can get follow up this Philadelphia win on the road and you can knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs at home, I think it does a few things for you. A, it sends a message to the division. We're not holding the shine box in the NFC West, okay? We're not going 0-6. Hello, we're here. And by the way, that Jeremy Fowler comment, I wonder if he was talking to John Lynch because the GM John Lynch in Week 4 against the Niners said as much after the game. Hey, that team hits. That's a physical team. Cardinals made it a one-score game late third quarter against us in our building, and we have designs on winning the Super Bowl this year. So John Lynch was very much impressed first month of the season. You get a win in your last two games, and you finish out with five wins in the manner in which you did it and the opponents you beat when they had serious playoff aspirations on the line. I think it builds a lot of confidence. Momentum doesn't carry over, but confidence, especially in a young roster. You get more buy-in, I believe, it verifies and confirms the buy-in that, you know what, this process is working, this culture will be successful between Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin for it. And you know what, if you eliminate any chance of Seattle 
getting into the playoffs, there's that gratification of knocking off an arch rival as well. So I do think it's a big deal how you finish and the manner in which you attack these games. Week 17, you drop the Eagles from a 2 to a 5 seed. Week 18, dare I say, you knock the Seahawks completely out of the playoff picture. And yeah, I agree with you. It's not momentum, but the confidence individually and maybe collectively and knowing that what you want to do as an offense and what you want to do as a defense, the stat this morning, that was the 16th different defensive starting lineup in 17 games. Wow. Wow. Or I should say, no, the 16th different in 16 games, period. Well, sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. One game to go. Yeah, the bye week in there. Wow. So every single game, there's been a different defensive starting lineup. I know the offense, and we can talk about what Kyler Murray did, James Conner, Greg Dortch, but that defense, when you have three starters on Sunday who started week one, think about that. Three of your 11 starters. Who are the two safeties and who else? Zaven Collins. Ah, and yeah. Zaven's the only one who wow. has started every single game defensively for the Cardinals here wow. this season. Sure, because of injury. Yeah, I mean, when you look out there and you see the Cardinals' defensive line yesterday, you know, in Philadelphia, on game day was Dante Stills, Roy Lopez, Kevin Strong, Phil Hoskins, Naquan Jones, a couple of guys off the practice squad. When you realize your top four defensive linemen aren't out there, and then the Eagles are rolling out Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. And so something's working when it comes to the coaching because the talent differential is significant in a lot of these games. Yet the Cardinals came out with a really good game plan, basically played keep away, held it for almost 40 of the 60 minutes, keep Jalen Hurts on the sideline when they did come out there. They look cold. They look discombobulated, especially in that second half. You know, one of their scores, remember, in the first half wasn't from the offense. It was the 99-yard pick six. So, and I asked Gannon after the game, and he didn't really answer it, but I said, you know, when you know a scheme and a roster so well like the Eagles, how was that to coach against it? <laughs> you know, and I, I wonder if it might, but we didn't get all that much in it. But you got to believe that Nick Rollis and Jonathan Gannon and I held a key of some sorts, and I do believe it's why Nick Sirianni was a little nervous to start the week and implored the fans to make Gannon, quote, freaking uncomfortable because I think deep down he knew that there was some serious inside information that Gannon was aware of of how exactly to formulate his game plan. Cardinals offensively set season highs in points, total yards, and first downs against that Eagles defense. And it's the second time in three games the offense has set new season highs in points and total yards. They did so against the 49ers. That game was a little bit different. Some of those numbers kind of got skewed late. Different story on Sunday when you are down 21-6 to at halftime. Nothing seemed to be going your way because you were moving the football up and down the field but just could not put it into the end zone. And all of a sudden, you have four second-half possessions. All four lead to touchdowns, three passing touchdowns by Kyler Murray, who in that second half was darn near perfect. 13 of 14 for 133 yards. Ten of his 13 completions went for either a first down or a touchdown. Wow. And his touchdowns went to three different receivers. So you had the downfield passing game that you were waiting for. He had his first 100 passer rating game since week nine of last season. 
And it's amazing. Forget the numbers for a minute. It's amazing when you have that franchise quarterback who's playing like a franchise slash Pro Bowl quarterback, and Kyler has two on his resume. It's amazing how they cover up a lot of other deficiencies and lack of talent if you have that dude at quarterback. I don't care what people say about the Chiefs, and they don't have any receivers, and I get that. And there's some really bad numbers for the Chiefs this year. Mahomes in the playoffs? Look out. He can cover up a lot of that. And to me, that's what Kyler did in that second half in Philadelphia. I don't care who's out there. I'm missing Hollywood Brown. You know, I've had, what, 10 receptions by receivers in the last three games on 33 targets. Whatever. Let's ball. I'm going to beat you from the pocket because there's no doubt the defenses, and especially the Eagles, were hell-bent on keeping him in the pocket. And that's where he excelled. And to me, that was where I, I just was the most bullish about the win, was the performance of Kyler and especially the fact he performed so well from the pocket. He stayed calm and took what the defense gave him, whether that was throwing underneath or looking to Greg Dortch, who all of a sudden has emerged amongst those wide receivers when you're talking about your three sub six foot wide receivers Hollywood Brown Greg Dortch and Rondell Moore right now I'd put Dortch front and center one he's healthy the healthiest of the three and then what he's able to do on special teams puts him a little bit more of ahead of those three if you're looking at okay who can we count on next season Dortch had a season best day Michael Carter running catching the football Uh all of a sudden you forget Michael Carter is under contract for next season you are set at the running back position with James Conner under contract. Amari DiMercato is coming back. Maybe you look for a running back on day three of the draft if there is someone you really, really like. Otherwise, I just named off three guys that you have and can produce, whether that's running the football, pass protect, and catching the football. When Michael Carter broke the ankles of that DB wow. in space... I mean, the whole, you wouldn't believe how the sideline reacted. There are two things that will get the sideline to react. When a uh, Cardinals running back trucks a dude, jack stomps a guy, which James Conner does, and guys will get off the bench. But then when you break someone's ankles like you're Allen Iverson, uh, I mean, it was the reaction was hilarious. Guys immediately looking at the jumbotron. It just fires everything up. And we'll set it repeatedly on the broadcast. The whole thunder and lightning aspect, you could see a lot of Eagles defenders are like, okay, wait a minute. I just had, you know. I've just been, uh, you know, meeting James Conner in the hole, and now i got to chase this guy off the edge and, and look at his burst in space. So, yes, that was very effective, no doubt about it. But for the Cardinals, start 0 for 2 in the red zone and then finish 4 for 4. And then once again, to run for more than 200 yards. And for that offensive line to come off the ball and finish the game, minus the franchise left tackle, there's Kelvin Beecham out there. Yeah, I thought Trey McBride, a lot of those run plays were to the Cardinals sideline and Trey McBride was there blocking. And so you got a front row view of 85 in the blocking game. And so, you know, how many times Wolf has said it and sent it to (laughs) Trey McBride's face, by the way, whether it's on the team bus, whether it's in the team hotel, Wolf, he gets it. A dual tight end. Leave him alone. It's called a stud tight end, I believe. I need a true stud tight end, Paul. Basinonians. Uh, He gets it. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he was that guy in the blocking game. By the way, quick programming note, and maybe you're not even aware of this, but Trey McBride, this week's guest on the final live edition of the Big Red Rage on location at Trophy. So not only do we get to talk about Trey McBride and his receiving, but also Wolf can talk about how well Trey blocked 
for James Conner and yeah. company against yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Right after Wolf asks him what his weight is, <laughs> oh, that's that, true. That'll, that'll happen off the top. That's you know, Although, with it, unless you're an offensive lineman, it's not an absolute. But yeah, you're right. That's a good get. All right, so Thursday night at Trophy in Chandler, Trey McBride, that's known as a double ding. Looking forward to that, no doubt. The Cardinals on the offensive line. Not only Calvin Beecham stepping in, but we saw Tristan Colon play a couple of snaps for Elijah Wilkinson. And that offensive line, when you rush for over 200 yards twice in the past three games, and you're doing so against the 49ers, you're doing so against the Eagles, those five guys, seven guys, really, and all season long, that's been the one constant with this offense. Yeah, the passing game, the downfield passing game has kind of been up and down, but the one thing that has remained constant, no matter who the quarterback has been, has been this team's ability to run the football. So those offensive linemen, not pro bowlers, not all pros, but together, as a unit, they have worked well this season. It might be the biggest surprise offensively of the year or the pleasant surprise this season. And the quarterback of that offensive line is going to be this week's Angry Bird Award winner, Yelda Froholt. Speaking of the Big Red Rage, he was our most recent guest. And he killed it. Very entertaining. Great stories. The Danish Army Knife. All the other uh, nicknames he has. But look, the way he's interacted with Kyla Murray, who really, for the most part, is brand new to the under-center game. And as good as Kyla was under-center, and as often as they put Kyla under-center in Philadelphia. Do you have that number, by the way? 25 times. Wow. Is that a season I? I have not looked at that quite yet. And I knew I, knew I, I, knew I needed it. it it's if it's, it might be like the second or third time he's been over, or 20, over 20 a game, okay. but yeah, now you, I'm not counting the one time Clayton Toon came into the game on fourth down. He was under center, but for Kyler Murray, 25 times under center. And how many times going into the game do we hear, ah, oh, Jason Kelsey, best center in the game, the tush push, oh, he gets to the second level, those triangles and vertical voids and the Eagles run game, and Kelsey's the key to all that. Well, hello, you know what? Yelda Froholt has been a big key in this Cardinals run game that has been top 10 all year long. In Chicago, there were a couple of moments where he was slow to get up, really banged up, and the sideline was yelling at him, do you want to come out, you want to come out? Shook him off, made his way back to the huddle. In fact, you know, actually broke into a jog because he is the guy who has to set the epicenter of the huddle. Guys are waiting for him, and then they form around him. So he got a shout-out on Game Plan, Jonathan Gannon's TV show most recently, for just gutting out a lot of nicks and bruises. And, you know, so think of all the snaps. Think of being at the epicenter of everything as the center and having to deal with all the double teams and guys coming off the ball. And you got a mountain of a man in Jordan Davis at like 370, easy looking at that guy. And so for all that, our Angry Bird Award this week goes to Yelda Froholt. Well-deserved. Now the question is, will you let Yelda know that he has won this coveted mm. award this mm -hmm. season? Because here's someone, and it was a big question going into this season, that center position. And Froholt had only started, what, four games in his yep. career? Think and, of how many times in August, Craig, we said, oh, oh yeah. geez, the starting center only has four games. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. Well, he shut every one of us up. To now where, okay, you found your starting center, I think. Now, it doesn't preclude you from looking ahead and looking towards the future. Can John Gaines be that guy in a pinch? But right yep. now, I see no reason why Froholt can't be your guy moving forward in 2024. And, you know, we always talk about the most valuable positions in every draft. Quarterback, left tackle, corner, edge rusher. I think we learned that most recently that the center position is ultra key. Might not be on quite that level. 
But to your point, let's say high second round, there is a franchise center available. I would not preclude the Cardinals from going that route, but Yoda Froholt also has experience at guard. He's someone you could kick to left guard and actually have him compete there and then be your backup center in a pinch. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say automatically, you know, because if you can get that center who's going to be the guy for the next decade, I think we've learned most recently how valuable that can be. Well, you talked about how well Kyler has played or played on Sunday from in the pocket. Well, the only way a quarterback is able to play from within the pocket if he has a pocket to play from within. And how many times over those first four seasons with Kyler was that push up the middle, that interior rush, and all of a sudden there was no pocket. Kyler has to escape. And now all of a sudden he's running for his life, he's scrambling. But if you can play from within the pocket, and Kyler doesn't have to do as much. And if you're getting that penetration straight up the middle, especially at his size, it's not like you're Big Ben Roethlisberger and you're six foot six and you can just hang in there like an oak tree and throw over everyone's head. That's obviously not Kyler's game. That's not his stature. So if you're getting pressure off the edges, eh, not that big a deal. Kyler's got the escapability. But if it's straight up through the A and B gaps, that's where it gets problematic. And you know what? The touchdown pass to Michael Wilson, to me, that, and, and Wolf said it, and I agreed with him, it, that was his most impressive throw of the day just because of his ability to instantly read, here comes the A and B gap blitz straight up the middle. I'm going to go ahead, backpedal, and wait and wait and wait, and then boom, get it off in time with 91 right in his face and get it into the arms of Michael Wilson. By the way, did you see what Kyler was wearing as he walked into Lincoln Financial no. Field? I didn't. I saw it in person after the game, and I saw it on the team plane. Yes, yes, I did, and it didn't quite resonate that that's Flyers country. Yes. So, I mean, do the locals really take that as some sort of insult, or I mean, like what? Because I, I'm like, okay, is he a big fan of the jersey and the look? Because you know, Penguins have a cool looking jersey, and hockey jerseys are cool in general. Does he have some sort of connection with Sidney Crosby, or? Or is he trying to get under the skin of Philly fan? I think it was a pretty darn good troll job by 1K1, walking in with a Penguin Sidney Crosby sweater, as they say in the National Hockey League. So, Because at first when I saw it pregame, I was like, Penguins? You're in Philadelphia. Oh, wait, Flyers. Oh, okay. All right. But, yeah, it's just one of those things like, all right. Okay. Now, now, if he really wanted to get Eagles fan, he would have worn a Cowboys jersey. That's that's what. Re- <laughs> but obviously, not going to do that in the NFL. But uh, you know, I had a black Cardinals jacket on, walking around downtown, literally on Broad Street, and it had just a small Cardinals logo on it. And I had a local tell me, um, if that was a Cowboys jacket, you'd probably be getting pummeled on this street right now. So, so you yeah. did you did survive Philadelphia <laughs> on Saturday, and more importantly, on Sunday. Uh, we survived, yes. Uh, we did find an outstanding place for uh, dinner. I recommend Giorgio's to anyone. Uh, Giorgio's on Pine in Philadelphia. Homemade gnocchi. Wolf was in heaven. Homemade uh, meat sauce. Uh, and, and Dave Pash, uh, who I think got the recommendation from Doc Rivers, right? The former Sixers. Oh, that's true. Yeah, coach. because Pash knows everybody. Sure, he uh, knows yeah. everybody and the whole NBA thing. And so, yes, so that was, that was definitely well worth it. Uh, no doubt about it. And shout out to our boss, Tim Delaney, who threw a great house party on Saturday afternoon in the basement. So, uh, yes, a good time was had by all and followed up by the wind to put the perfect punctuation on the weekend. By the way, one other thing on the wind, because in real time, I wasn't quite sure why you would attempt an onside kick. I know sometimes when you're 
got four wins and you're trying to do something, trying to get a win. But I didn't quite get it. There was a lot of angst on Cardinal Talk about why you would do that, why you give the Eagles short field, why at that point when the game is so close. In fact, the game was tied at that point. But I found Gannon's reasoning great strategy. Quote, the reason for that is you don't want to get bled out. That team is too good. I trust the defense to get a stop right there and make them kick a field goal. Then he added this. I wanted to make sure at all costs Kyler had the ball in his hand. That speaks volumes to where Kyler is within this organization and the thought and the belief and the confidence that the front office, the coaching staff have in their franchise quarterback moving forward. In this back-and-forth game, we want the ball in our guys' hand. Yeah, we like the defense, but we want the ball in K1's hands. You know, that response started with our own Darren Urban asking him a question that began along the lines of, even though the onside kick didn't work, Coach, and then he cut Darren off. Oh, no, it worked. And then he went into that explanation. And it did take me into the postgame to realize the thinking there. Now, in general, and I've always been of this opinion, if you're in a situation like that and you need to get a stop from your defense – then why not go with the onside kick? Because you need a stop from your defense anyway. But there was quite a bit of time, enough time left on the clock at that point. So, and and, and here's the other thing. When it first happened, because I remember going into Chicago, and I think this is still the case. I haven't verified this. The Arizona Cardinals are the only NFL team to execute a successful onside kick this year. True. So I'm like, wow, okay. They're going to try and make it two? Be the only only team with two, the only team, period. And so I'm like, and then once you started figuring out what the thinking was, but again, it comes down, your defense is going to have to get a stop either way. So why not give yourself a chance at kicking it to a guy who may not have the greatest hands? You know, so I think my understanding is it went the way they want. The guy made the play and got on the ball. Okay, kudos to the Eagles. But, you know, you sort of pick out a guy on that side of the ball and say, all right, you know, can we identify him? And then go from there. And it worked. I mean, yeah, you did get a stop. You forced a field goal. It was a six-play, 14-yard drive that Nick Sirianni had to answer a lot of questions post-game about that particular drive with the game tied at 28. And then Kyler does get the ball back with 2.28 to go and two timeouts and seven plays, 70 yards in 201. James Conner punches in from two yards out, and the Cardinals win 35-31 to to improve to 4-12 and on the season again, four and twelve this season, four and thirteen last season. The difference is night and day with one more game left to go. And by the way, we do now have a day and a time for week eighteen. Cardinals and Seahawks Sunday at two twenty five. Big game for the Seahawks. They need a win and a Packers loss at home to the Bears in order to get into the postseason. They no longer control their own destiny because they lost to the Steelers at home on Sunday. So again, the Cardinals can do a fair job of knocking the Seahawks out of the postseason. And they owe them one, right? They won the turnover battle, three love in Seattle, and lost the game with Josh Dobbs, who had a really slow start in that game in terms of his passing accuracy. But what did the Steelers do in this last game to beat up and beat down the Seahawks? They ran the ball straight ahead, very physical fashion. Over 200 rushing yards. They had a buck 45 rushing in the first half, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The the stat from Next Gen Stats on Najee Harris, he had 122 yards rushing. 118 of them were after contact. 
Wow. Think about that, right? And so after the game, you had different guys, Devin Weatherspoon, Devin Bush, you know, saying, yeah, it wasn't anything we hadn't seen. They just beat us to the line of scrimmage. So, hello, guess what? If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you're coming off that run game against the Eagles and you've run for more than 200 yards in two of your last three games, you pick up where the Steelers left off with former Steelers running back James Conner and you try and cram it vertical all game long. James Conner over 800 rushing yards this season, second time in his career over 800 yards. His season best came in 2018 when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, just over 900, 900 rushing yards. I think it was 971, if I remember correctly. But here's someone, yeah, just give the ball. I mean, Kyler doesn't have to do everything anymore. He has weapons. He has players, personnel around him to where this offense doesn't have to rely solely on the arm or the legs of Kyler Murray. I can tell you this much right now. If James Conner gets off to a hot start against Seattle, how many yards does he need for his first 1,000-yard rushing season? That's going to be on the radar in Week 18. If you're in the second half and you have a lead and James Conner is having a game, you keep feeding number six and maybe just maybe you get him to 1,000 yards for the first time in his career despite missing four games. 110 rushing yards is what James Conner needs to get to 1,000. Ding. I, I'm telling and you, that's right? doable. I mean, Absolutely. he's hit 100 yards three yep. times this season already. I mean, Najee Harris had a buck 22. Jalen Warren just had 75. I think the Cardinals' O-line is playing better than the Steelers' O-line right now. And and you got him at home. So, okay, here you go. I mean, that, that Seahawks run defense for the second straight season is struggling big time. And the Cardinals got it in gear right now when it comes, especially with Kyler under center and the play-action game. Steelers killed him with a play-action game with Mason Rudolph. I mean, I, I think the potential is there. Based on what we just saw, what Kyler did in that second half at Philadelphia, and how he seems to be really fluid in this offense, and how many times is he checking in and out of plays, I'd love to know. And then he mentioned after the game that Drew Petzing did a few things a little differently. Love to know what the answer is to that as well. But it looks like they, you know, going into the eighth game together, that they've got it dialed in. And here's the other thing. If Kyler can go 4-4 four and four as a starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, you know, that sounds pretty good going into the offseason. That, that, that's just a positive note you can build on going into 24. Forget the 4-12 and 12 record. Just think 3-4 and four because the season began in Week 10. Kyler Murray returns, and now you figure out what you have as an offense and how that bleeds over to your defense and special teams. How are you playing since Week 10? And this Cardinals team, as they played all season long very hard, but since week 10, three and four, and one of those teams, like you mentioned earlier, the Detroit Lions, how they finished 2022, got them that first game against the Kansas City Chiefs in 2023. How do you finish yep. matters, and right. it matters a lot. And you're right, Cardinals did not have a primetime game this year. So if you can come out, you can knock Seattle out of the playoffs. There's a little bit of buzz about the Cardinals and how they finished 2023. At least get one primetime game, maybe two in 2024, especially early in the season. I could see them getting that sort of marquee time slot. And once again, I'm coming full circle here on this podcast, and it's that if you have that quarterback, you don't need the most talented roster in the league. So is it still going to be a process in the offseason? Absolutely. You're still acquiring talent at a lot of different spots. I get it. You're building the roster. But if you have that quarterback who can cover up a lot of deficiencies, and Kyler can be that guy again because we've seen it in the past, first half of 2021, he was a legitimate MVP candidate. If he can be that guy again in an offense that I think is more NFL 
ready, more as more potency in the NFL than what he ran before, then uh, then look out. I, I think the Cardinals could be viewed as a team ready to take that next step. 2024 begins with a Cardinals win, 35-31. All good feelings. And, of course, my colleague over here, Paul Calvisi, all dressed up here on a holiday because, what, you've got a coach's show to tape here momentarily on a victory Monday. So, as Bill Belichick says, yes, the office is closed here on Monday, but there are no days off no days off for us. No, not until the end of the season. So, uh, But, yeah, Victory Monday makes it all that much better, and uh, we'll see what Jonathan Gannon has to say on his uh, TV show and if there's any good a- anecdotes. So every Friday night, 6.30 on 12 News. This, more than any other, <laughs> figures to be a can't-miss edition. Something to look forward to come Friday. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.